All right, Bruce Omori. Jason Chan. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Ace Podcast, man. How are you? Thanks, man. I'm doing good. Doing good. It's, it's really good to see you again. Good to see you too, buddy. Yeah, it's been at least a couple years since we've seen each other, right? At least. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, my first time back in Hilo in a couple years as well, so I'm like like super happy and excited to be here. Yeah. 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 Happy to see you again. Yeah, man. Last time I saw you was in Seattle. Wait, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I went, Mick and I flew up to watch the Broncos play the Seahawks. Right on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweet, man. That's right. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, Seattle's a great town. It's it a great is. town, yeah. Um, I like the, the, the outskirts. I like, like, uh, like the suburbs. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like the water and the mountains uh-huh. and that kind of stuff, the Cascades. Uh-huh. And then the east side of the cascades is really beautiful too washington uh, but downtown it's um it's gotten pretty bad as far as the crime and oh like, really yeah yeah and the drug use i see yeah i think portland's very similar to that too yeah, yeah that kind of thing but um but yeah man it's good to see you again i'm, I'm super happy to be here your gallery is uh it's it brings back a lot of memories and Every time I come, if I haven't been here in a while, I just realize how really just amazing and stunning your pictures are. Yeah, they thanks, really man. are. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess let's start with that, man. Like your your photography and um, kind of how you got started. Uh, you um, or just a background on on yourself. You're a, a accomplished professional uh, photographer, photojournalist that basically. Um, specializes in volcanoes, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so let's, uh, how did it start? <laughs> well, my grandfather gave me my first camera. I started shooting when I was about nine or ten years old. Mm-hmm. And um, growing up, I, you know, I have asthma and I'm allergic to sulfur. And my mom, being a nurse, kept me away from the volcano whenever it erupted. Mm. So when our um, science class would take field trips to the national park, I was one of two kids stuck in the bus because my mom would send a note to the teacher saying that I can't uh, be out in you know, the sulfur-filled air. Wow. So I was stuck in the air-conditioned bus with um, another classmate of mine who also had asthma. And um, I had to do my assignments looking through the bus window, Mm. seeing my classmates run around, having fun. And, you know, I never got to experience it. So I grew up obsessed with volcanoes and lava. And I got my fill through photos and watching documentaries. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, when when you tell a kid no keep a kid away from something then you know you create a monster right (laughs) yeah about whatever it is right yeah yeah so that's where your obsession started yeah by them telling you you can't go see that yeah wow wow i was also deathly afraid of um breathing in you know sulfur and stuff i mean for a good reason yeah 
but um, yeah, so when the opportunity arose for uh, shooting lava, and that happened in 2008, when uh, there was a flow from Pu'o'o that was approaching Kalapana again, mm-hmm. um, you know, I got to go out and shoot that, and I thought I was going to die that first time I went out because, you know, I had no experience um, being around the lava flow. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, befriend some uh, rangers and uh, um, they actually took me under their wing and taught me how to mitigate that risk, you know, being aware of what the flow was doing direction of the wind and of course i always carried around my inhaler and my respirator right yeah yeah how how old were you when you first got exposed or when you first went down there and saw it yourself that was in 2008 oh so that was i mean it seemed kind of recent yeah in a way yeah wow yeah and just what 15 years ago and did you have uh, experience, a lot of experience in photography other than getting a camera when you were young? Were you shooting all up until that time? Yeah, I had oh, been okay. shooting um, uh, off and on. Um, so I was serious about it into my early uh, adulthood. And then uh, when I started working for that engineering firm on Oahu, um, that hobby kind of took a backseat because we worked long hours. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, I was the uh, network administrator. And um, so I had uh, responsibilities that uh, included all of the technology-related stuff in the firm. And uh, digital cameras came under my responsibility when wow. it first came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we used to uh, do a lot of documentation of our projects using uh, cameras, film cameras. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when the first digital camera came out, we purchased one. And that allowed us to um, use photos that we shot in the morning. Um, we went back to the office and we could pop it into marketing materials for a presentation that afternoon. So it changed our lives wow. at the firm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, because I was a partner in the firm and, um, you know, cameras now became my responsibility. Anytime a new um, digital camera came out, we'd go out and buy one, right? Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. it worked out well for you. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that got me back into the game of shooting. I see. Yeah. So at what point did you, I mean, because you, you weren't a photographer, uh, you weren't a professional photographer, you had that other job. Yeah. At what point uh, did you just make the decision to go like pro as a photographer or was it gradual or was it one day you're like, I'm just tired of this job, I have to start doing this? Well, um Kind of a long story. Hey, hey, <laughs> you tell it. <laughs> so, um, where should I start? I mean, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. 
So I was, I found myself flying back uh, to help her out. And I began, uh, my, my dad had passed away, and uh, so my mom needed help doing things around the house and stuff. So I would fly back to Hilo from Oahu once a month, and then my trips became more frequent, you know, twice a month, and uh, finally decided, you know, she needed more care than that. So Cheryl and I moved with our kids, of course, back to Hilo, Mm-hmm. And um, I kept my job at the engineering firm, um, so I would fly daily to Oahu. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my partners at the firm weren't happy about that. You know, I went from working 70 or 80 hours a week to working 40 hours a week. Mm. So to kind of um, make up for the loss of hours, I would stay overnight work through the night. Oh, and, goodness. Yeah, it's kind of harsh. But one night a week was not enough for them. So I would do that twice twice a week. Oh, man. Still weren't happy. So I did that three times a week. And uh, they still weren't happy. And um, uh, then things started, um, I guess that stress started affecting my health started having chest pains and mm. thought I had a cardiac issue. Went to the doc and doc said that I, you know, they ran all the tests, you know, treadmill and EKGs and I, I don't know, you know, what else they did. But yeah, checked out your heart. Yeah. Basically. And he said, you know, everything is okay. But he said that it was uh, the stress that I was putting myself under that, you know, that um, working through the night and uh, commuting, he mm-hmm. said, was too much. And he said, that stress was going to eventually kill me if I didn't change anything. So that's when I decided to leave that job and I needed to take care of my health because I, I started realizing how serious that was. And, you know, I had two young kids at home with my wife and course my mom back here you know and uh just decided that i needed to get my priorities in order i mean my job was used to be my priority you know Mm. for the 24 25 years i was with the firm and um yeah decided that i needed to make that change and um yeah so i left the firm and uh, came back home and wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was planning to uh, apply for more engineering positions here in Hilo, but needed to take some time off to uh, get my health back in order. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just started shooting. I, I would go out and shoot birds or surf or, you know, native plants, just get out in nature and just do stuff to decompress mm. so photography ended up being my therapy wow yeah and so you know that photography actually saved my life you know wow because within i don't know three months i think the chest pains disappeared and um 
good again. And um, so it all this photography thing happened organically because as I was shooting, you know, I would post photos on this forum that I used to belong to. And uh, some editors saw my work and they liked it. So I started getting calls about, um, uh, you know, covering certain events or mm -hmm. stuff like that. And uh, started getting my work published. And so, yeah, so one thing led to another and uh, started making a living doing it. Wow. Yeah. It's a great story. It's a great story. <laughs> so how did... Um, I know that you were talking about your you know, early years with uh, being in the school bus and not being able to see the volcano. Yeah. Did at some point you just started shooting the volcano more uh -huh. than doing the birds and the surf and that kind of thing? Or, or when the volcano would erupt, is that when you went up and started shooting those photos? Because I look around yeah. here and I see some, you know, some amazing uh, stuff that uh, is kind of, kind of dated, like, you know, there's some stuff that you've been to all the eruptions pretty much, right? Since 2008. Since 2008. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Pretty amazing. That's my life's work now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you shoot, <laughs> when we first met, I was shooting auto. Like I just, <laughs> <laughs> so I just put the camera on auto and, I would be really surprised that the good stuff that I got or think the stuff that I thought that was good, uh -huh. you know, I would show it to you and you'd be like, yeah, that's, oh, that's okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point, I mean, you taught, you had to teach yourself manual. You had to teach yourself like, you know, uh, you know, white balance and F stops and all the, you know, and, and, you know, the different kinds of glass, different kinds of lenses and those kinds of things. You basically uh -huh. were self-taught. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, from, like, YouTube where you would read or you, you got a book on photography? Like, what was the most helpful? Or, or you just kind of just, just daily, hey, I need to get better at this. And so you'd read up more on that? Or how did that, how did that work? Because um, you, you don't have a formal education in photography, right? No, I don't. Oh, I, I did take, um, a number of photography workshops, but mm -hmm. that was more geared for photojournalism and sports. I so, see. Yeah. But in the process of, you know, I had been shooting for a number of years, and I think uh, um, I was already familiar with um, what it took to shoot different genres of uh, photography, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's sports or portraits or whatever, you know, commercial. Right. Um, so shooting lava was just another um, genre that I needed to learn. And I didn't think, you know, thinking back, there was nothing that I found online that could help me. So I learned on my own every time I went out. Um, I always strive to do better at shooting. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't satisfied with uh, what I was seeing. And uh, just yeah, each trip out, each hike to the ocean entry mm -hmm. uh, or to the surface flow, 
was another opportunity for me to learn and hone my craft. Yeah, yeah. I would call you back then when we went out on our little excursions yeah. and I'd call you, I'd be at work at, at urgent care and uh-huh. I would call you that, like we'd be out there all night or whatever and I'd call you and I'd think you'd be sleeping or text you and, and you're, I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm just still going through all the photos. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is like, like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like when, <laughs> when are you going to get, some, when are you going to get some sleep? We're going out tonight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you work hard, man. I, I remember that. Like, that's something that got stuck in my mind uh-huh. at like just your, uh, your work ethic. Uh-huh. You know, I, I don't know how many times I would call or text you and you're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm still working. I'm like, well, we, we were working all night. You know, I watched <laughs> you work all night and now you're working. I mean, a big part of it is going through the photos, right? And yeah. doing, and is there, um, what do they call that? Uh, post in post, right? Um, uh-huh. Correcting the photos in post. Do you do a lot of that, or do you feel like a lot of it is done on site? You're doing it on site. Uh, you know, cameras are a rudimentary tool, so uh, your results from the camera are a far cry from actually what your eyes and your brain see. Hmm. So uh, there's a bit of processing that needs to happen, like color correction, exposure, see. compensation, and yeah, what have you. So, you know, my goal as a photographer is to capture what my eyes see, and um, that's what I try and replicate. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of uh, post-processing because uh, I want each of my photos to uh, be or to um, how would you say it to maintain photographic or photojournalistic integrity mm. yeah so I'm not a uh, I'm not a digital artist so to speak I see yeah I'm yeah. more of the like photojournalist pure, more of a purist like yeah would, yeah I yeah. hate to use that word purist I guess yeah. but I mean like you, you want to be able to shoot and say, "Hey, this is, this is the, this is what I saw." Yeah. You know, and not like, uh, what do you call it? Is they edit it, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, edit it or post, post correct it a yeah. lot, right? Because I do, I do see a lot of those photos. I remember we used to look through Instagram back then. Yeah. And I used to like at first, like some of these photos were like, "Wow." Look at this compared to like what we were, what, you know, what you shot. If you look at your photo without looking at that, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then you look at theirs and you're like, what is that? Like, what did they do to that? You know, <laughs> yeah. so there's a there's a market for that because yeah. because when you see it, you're like, wow, let me take a closer look at this. Oh, they have really changed this. Uh-huh. And then yours, I I really do feel like if you didn't see that, you just you know, or if you put them side by side, you're like, well, this is just not the same product. Uh-huh. It's a completely different product. Sure. Yeah. I remember we used to have talks about that all the time because yeah. there is there is a market for those kinds of photos sure. where people are doing those, you know, I don't, I don't know what you would call that. Just like it, very it's art. It's art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a different, and everybody has their own style. Different kind of art. Yeah. 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 Some people will drop in skies. You know, oh, interesting, yeah. Drop right. in moons or 
Yeah. You know, the Milky Way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's not for me. Yeah. To each his own, you know, and I respect that. Yeah. But what I don't respect is uh, when people have to lie about that, you know? Yeah. They need to own what they do. What they've done, yeah. Yeah. To it. And, yeah. You know, that's cool. I've got friends that aren't ashamed of saying, hey, man, I'm shooting that moon because I want to pop it into another photo. Oh, you know? Yeah. That's fine. Totally respect that. But when people aren't truthful about that, I think that hurts photography in general, yeah. Yeah. Hasn't, yeah. hasn't that, like, being able to do that and that progression into even where we're headed, like AI and that kind of thing? Exactly. Like, is... is, is um, the pure art of photography that we're talking about right now, is it dead? Uh, no, it's not dead. Mm-hmm. But I think it's being, photography is, is morphing into something else, you know? And it's... it's uh, but it, how can you tell? Like, I mean, I, from an untrained eye, mine, uh-huh. like I look at one photo... And I could easily say that's an amazing photo. Like, uh-huh. like, how did they, they, how did they get that angle, and how did that moon? Like, look at the, look at this, and thinking that it's real. Is it, is it so progressed to where you just can't tell anymore unless somebody says, "Hey, I put that moon in there." Yeah, it can be, it can be like that, right? Yeah, it can be. And if somebody is good at it, then um, the lines are blurred. You can't really tell. Yeah. And not everybody is good at it. So, you know, some photos you can look at it and uh, the edits are obvious. Yeah. yeah. But for those those people who are really great at that art, I mean, sometimes you just can't tell, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember we used to have a lot of conversations about that in particular. And then we also talked about... Um, um, video like overtaking photo at some point because a lot of people you know I'm not on social media um, that much at all anymore um, but I've noticed that people are watching they are scrolling through photos but they're seeing more of the little clips of videos and whether it's TikTok or Instagram there's a lot of like little funny clips most people are watching that they're not just looking at a photo mm-hmm. am i correct in that cuz again yeah. i'm not social i'm not like too much into the social media anymore but most of it is is video right a lot yeah. of it is or the most popular media yeah on social media <laughs> is is video yeah exactly so how does your how does your business how does your art now look on that landscape like, are you, is this kind of photography, the, I, I guess call it the purest photography, is it still popular? Do you still see a, a big market for it? I mean, I look around in here and when you walk in, it's, it's it, again, the word for me is stunning at some of the photos that I see. But you actually have to be in here to really look at it. When you're on your phone and you're scrolling through, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that it cheapens it, but... There's so many amazing photos now. Cameras, like the, the cameras and the phones are, are me can take amazing pictures with those. Mm-hmm. So I guess like how, how, where do you stand in this gallery? 
in comparison to where we're headed, uh, you know, in, with technology, especially with AI too. Like, yeah, you know, I've seen some AI photos, and it's crazy. Yeah, because it looks real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. So I, you know, honestly, I I don't know where the true photography is headed because it is changing. Mm-hmm. That landscape is is uh, definitely changing into something that, you know, we've never seen before. Uh, moving images, you know, video is much more popular, mm-hmm. gets more views. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of asking you if you're a dinosaur, Bruce. I am. Are, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I think you are, but people love dinosaurs. I know I do, you know. Um, yeah, I... Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this, man, but I, I feel sorry for you in a way sometimes. I really uh-huh. do because I know how hard you work. Uh-huh. I've seen it. I've been up close. I've seen your, the name of your business, Extreme Exposure. It's all you. People don't know that. But if you're out there shooting with you, then you, you would understand. You put yourself in some like crazy situations. <laughs> the very first, and I'll just tell this quick story. The very first time that I knew that you were a psycho was (laughs) when uh, you invited myself and a friend to down to the, uh, I think it was the the ocean entry. Uh Um, And I want to say, I'm not sure it had entered the ocean yet, but we were waiting for it to go over the cliff and it was just coming down slow. Uh And you invited us uh, to just come shoot it. And it was during the day and it was so hot. Like we got down there and it was my, I want to say it was my first exposure to it being on the ground and actually seeing it that way. Uh-huh. And um, what is the type of flow that you call that's going really slow? Uh, an a flow or the, was it pohoihoi? A pohoihoi. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did I say yeah. that correctly? Yeah. Uh, the a is when it's, um, when it, you step on it and you say, ah, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So this is the, <laughs> the soft. The smooth rope. The smooth. Type. Yeah. So yeah. it was like that. I mean, there were some areas that was the, uh, the other kind, but uh-huh. mostly this this type. And I remember we stopped at where it was, um, there was that soft flow was right in front of us, kind of at the road, and it was hot. I mean, it was clearly hot. And I stopped there. My friend stopped with me, and we were just kind of stopped there. And I look up, and you are looking at me, and you're like, are you ready? And I said... <laughs> It's ready, for, like ready for what? Like where, where, what are you doing? And before I, you pointed out to, to like an area that seemed like, like it was, there's no way that we're going over there, but you're pointing to this area and we had to go over basically lava that was flowing to get to the area that you needed to get to, <laughs> to shoot. And I, I know, this is a long, I'm not going to tell a long story, but Long story short, I get there and my shoes are melted <laughs> pretty much, right? And you are further than us. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, what is, what is going on with him, you know? <laughs> and we had, I wouldn't say we had just met, but we hadn't known each other too well. But uh, that's when I knew you were nuts. Like it's, you, you're, the name of your business, Extreme Exposure, is, is really what you do. I don't think a lot of people realize that. You put yourself in some crazy, crazy situations. Uh-huh. That's just for the shot, just to get the shot? 
for the shot. Yeah. 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 That's nuts. That's <laughs> nuts. Does Cheryl know this? <laughs> uh, she'll listen to this and find out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she knows. Yeah. I don't think she wants to know, but I think yeah. she knows. I, I get scoldings when I get home and yeah. tell her what I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes she comes out, or not really. She has gone out with me a couple times. Um, she doesn't like uh, hiking out there too much. Yeah. But she's... She has a couple times, and she's done a number of uh, helicopter charters with me too. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that's another thing. The helicopter charters that we used to do were crazy too. I love, yeah. I love that. That yeah. was that was amazing. I remember when we did it, and there was just a little bit of red out there. It's a little bit of pink. Like we'd fly way out there, and then we'd just hover over this little piece of pink, like a little piece of lava that's coming out, <laughs> you know. And I was, uh, I was. Uh, stunned i was like you know wow look at that you know like we're hovering like you know a few inches over the top of it and you're shooting and the the um helicopters turning and everybody's getting their shots and yeah. stuff those, those were cool times and then i then we saw the real lava you know <laughs> the, the stuff that started flowing uh -huh. so yeah man my my exposure with with you has been like it's been such an education you know uh -huh. and uh i'm so thankful so thankful for that, man. And thank you for like just taking me out there. Of course, you know, man. Yeah. I don't know why, why, why me? Like why, I, you know? But anytime I'd ask, you were like, you're, you're great about me, just kind of tagging along and watching and yeah. asking stupid questions. <laughs> yeah, those aren't stupid questions. I love sharing the the experience, you know. Yeah. So what life is all about, you know, it's just a string of experiences. Yeah, 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 and you've been very kind in that way. You've been very kind. So, do you still do um, your? So, in in the hunting world, we call it like an outfitter, like somebody or a guide, uh -huh. somebody who takes you to you know you pay a certain amount and whatever it is, whether it's a helicopter tour or a hike or whatever. Do you still do a lot of those? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh -huh. How do how do how do people get in touch with you? Like just on your website or. Yeah. Your Instagram or whatever. Do a lot of people know you do that? Probably not because I don't advertise it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very word of mouth, right? Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, because uh, you know, sometimes I just yeah, yeah, I'm taking some people out, and they they are the ones who've contacted you, right? They've just gotten in touch with you, yeah, because of what you do. Uh -huh. Yeah. So uh, how how is that going with uh, I guess it up and down with the flow, right? Yeah. yeah, whether the lava's flowing or not is when you're going to get calls. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I literally go with the flow. Go. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I lead, you know, I, I do photo tours and workshops here on the island. Most of them, I guess, uh, are centered around the volcano if it's erupting. If not, you know, native birds, uh, landscapes, seascapes, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But also do storm chasing in the Midwest now. Yeah, I saw uh, that. I saw yeah. that. That's that sounds exhilarating and very yeah. dangerous. <laughs> right, do you have any of that up here? No, I yeah. don't. Not, not yet. Not yet. Was that your first trip? This recent trip? No, I started doing that a couple of years ago. I see. Yeah. 
I think that would fit great with extreme exposure too. Yeah, it's another aspect of the power of nature. You yeah, know, it's part of this world we live in. Mm-hmm. Did somebody just invite you to do that, or was it something that you said, "Hey, I'd, I'd really like to, to storm chase"? I've always wanted to do it, and then um, was fortunate enough to to meet my chasing buddy and partner, um, Steve Salviano, mm. and uh, he's an expert forecaster. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, so he and I lead these photo workshops um, in the Midwest every storm season. Wow. Yeah. What's more dangerous, do you think, the lava or, or the storm chasing? Mm. I, I think... Each is equally, I mean, you know, nature is just so dynamic. Uh, Each has its own um, how would you say it? Risks. Mm. So like lava, you know, it it can move fast, but, you know, kind of tell where it's going to go mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the dangers are hidden like uh, empty lava tubes or when you get out to the ocean entry if you're standing on the bench the new land that's formed mm-hmm. that's prone to collapsing mm-hmm. so it can be really hazardous so it's always important to know your subject well mm-hmm. and have a true understanding of what's happening and uh, like if you're taking a risk knowing what that risk is, not just being oblivious to it. And with storm chasing, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, you know. Storms are much more um, uh, situation, I think, is more fluid because of how quickly these storms can um, move. Mm, And just turn on you, right? Come your way, maybe? Yeah. I mean, uh, two years ago, we were on a storm that was moving about 50 or 60 miles an hour. And we were in front of it, so we had to retreat and retreat fast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and those things can just, I mean, they they toss everything. They toss tractors. They. I mean. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you know, that, that one particular storm blew through the uh, little town of Alliance, Nebraska, and uh, it had winds over 90 miles an hour. Mm. Yeah. And these uh, mesocyclones can drop tornadoes as well and uh, hailstones that are, you know, baseball size or larger, yeah. Wow. So. Wow. So it's like twist, <laughs> like Twister the movie kind of thing. Exactly, man. Right? So what do they call those big ones? The cat, cat, is it, they, 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 do they do the cats? Like, no. No, that's, that's those I hurricanes. Mean, those are hurricanes, right? Hurricanes, <laughs> but they do have categories for uh, tornadoes, you know, the EF scale. I see. Yeah. So like. I, what's the biggest you've seen? I haven't seen any tornadoes. I mean, I've uh, seen storms with rain-wrapped tornadoes, so it, but it was obscured by precipitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Bruce, uh, man, it, uh, yeah, I mean, tornadoes, like really, I mean, that's what you're wanting, right? You're wanting like a I humongous mean, uh, tornado? 
want to see it, you know, but that's not my primary focus. Uh, I love shooting um, storm structure. So mm. mesocyclones, they'll range from... What is a mesocyclone? What is it? It's a severe thunderstorm that has a rotational aspect to it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So it'll create these, um, these, uh, these towering um, clouds that uh, sometimes uh, resemble spaceships because, you know, it, it's actually spinning. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I've shown them to you before, but... Um, so, you know, they, they have that ah, I see. mothership yeah. looking. Bruce is showing me a picture of one right now of the, a humongous lightning bolt in the middle of it. <laughs> and, wow. Yeah. That's Light, amazing. Lightning is another uh, aspect of these mesocyclones. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah. Beautiful shots. Oh, wow. Look at that. Where can people see that? Is that on your, is that on your Instagram? Not yet. I mean, this is... You know, these are some photos that I just shot uh, a couple of weeks ago, so I haven't had a chance to um, post them on my website or anything yet. But gotcha. I'll be okay. posting them on social media soon. Okay. Yeah. Which it's Bruce Omori. Yeah, Facebook, Bruce Omori. And uh, uh, same uh, thing on Instagram. Instagram. Bruce Omori. Yeah. Um, and then you have, do you do TikTok too or no? No. No, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, that's like... That's not our jam, right? <laughs> Social media is not my jam anymore. Uh, um, not mine either. Yeah, I bet it's something that you kind of got to do, right, in yeah. order to get out there and, and uh, in front of stuff. You know, I wanted to ask you, um, I made some notes, and I wanted to talk with you about um, some of the uh, the podcasts I had before this one. I talked with uh, Shiloh Caparita, and, um, the young kid in um, – lives on Molokai, but very mature. And um, what really interests me about the people I like to talk to are their, not just what they do, um, but who they are as people and why they're, they are the way they are. You are such a, um, you're kind. Uh, we were having dinner tonight and I used the word measured. You're a very measured <laughs> <laughs> individual. Um, you're very patient. You know, you can hear it in your voice that you're just, uh, uh, I don't even know how to, how to really describe you other than um, genuine. You're a very genuine person. <laughs> and so have you always been like that or was it your upbringing or, you know, your, was it more your mom? Was it your dad? Is it your faith? Is it like what, uh, why why are you the way you are? <laughs> why are you so nice, Bruce? You know, honestly, come on. You're making me... Uh... <laughs> Whenever I talk to you, I feel bad about myself. <laughs> I'm like, why can't I be more like Bruce? And I mean that. I mean that, you know. Um, oh, man. Yeah, you're just such a kind guy. Like, have you always been like that? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, everywhere we go, like we, you know, we're at dinner tonight. And people are stopping you and you know wanting to talk to you and stuff like that. You're you're popular in Hilo, you know, but Hilo's you're all a small town. Hey, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Take what you can get. Um, but you, uh, 
you're, when I see you interact with people, you're the same way. You're, you're, you're no different. You're, you're still very kind with people. Um, where does that, where does that come from? Is that, that's just your personality or did you, were you all, you've always been like that? I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> pretty sure. Mm. I, I think there was a time in my life when, um, you know, my position in the engineering firm, mm. I think I took on a different personality at work and I was kind of a hard nosed guy. Um, not like this, like no, like yelling or what not, do you mean? Not really yelling, but kind of expecting um, employees to act a certain way, and I don't know. You know, I guess I wanted to see people uh, have a different work ethic than what I saw. I wanted them to work as hard as I did. Ah, I see. And I tried to instill that in employees that, you know, I work closely with. And some of them responded well, others didn't, you know. Mm. It was was difficult. So I I think probably was a um, difficult boss to work for. Yeah, back then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Would you be that same way today if you were put back in that position? I think that position kind of called for it, you know. Oh, I see. Because um, in engineering, it was either feast or uh, famine, yeah. So yeah. we did not turn away work. So it was either working hard or working harder. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. We never turned away work. And if we needed to work through the night to meet a deadline. That's what we did. Yeah. And I would expect that of our employees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see that in your work now. I mean, like, like, like I was saying, we would be out there shooting all night and then I'd call you in the afternoon and you're still like, you haven't gotten any sleep yet, you know? <laughs> so, so your, your work ethic is there. That's for sure. But I was more kind of focused on your, you know, just what kind of person you are. And just uh-huh. how kind you are, you know. You have I I feel like you've taught me a lot just being around you to be more patient and to be, you know, uh, nice nicer to people. You know. Yeah. What you need to? Oh, you want to shut that, that off? That alarm is beeping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Shut it. Sorry. You think it's because it's late? Is that why the alarm, the alarms <laughs> work? It's 11 o'clock at night here. So normally the gallery's closed, right? Yeah. Uh, is that why it's beeping? Not sure. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. as it's quirks. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even really notice, but I guess I can hear it now. It's kind of beeping. But uh, yeah, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, how nice, how nice you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, is this your personality, I guess? You know, I was waiting for some big story. It was like, yeah, I was a real jackass. And then this happened to me. And then I became nice. You know, I mean, <laughs> it turned into this nice person. Uh, give me some hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can be a real prick, man, sometimes, you know. And you? Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, um, I learn from people like you, you know. I learn from, like, you know, being around my friends or, or watching other people. You always want to be better. You know, I just want yeah. to be a better person. Yeah. So, 
um, one thing that um, uh, the you know the the kid I was telling you about Shiloh Caparita, he was telling me that it was a lot of it has to do with his faith, you know, like and his dad and how he how he how he grew up and that, uh-huh. and so yeah, it's a little different for me. Like I didn't I didn't have have any of that, so I kind of <laughs> I kind of acted my you know the way I thought you know you should act. But when I again I have to I have to hats off to you, man, because. You know, when I see people like you, I really, you know, I'm like, wow, this is a, you can be, you can get a lot with honey and not vinegar kind of thing, right? You can, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, <laughs> you can be nice and, and still, you know, things can be great, you know, so, but um, especially a business owner, like when you're a business owner like this, sometimes you, you just have to be a hardball, right? But yeah, you get a lot done just by, just by being kind. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. So, but um, but yeah, I wanted to chat with you about that, man. And I um, I wanted you to uh to maybe tell the listeners uh a little bit about the Big Island and its volcanoes and where they stand now as far as their the activity level, like where you know what's active, what's potential. What's you know? Because I remember you and I talked about years ago. I, I wasn't on on island when Mauna Loa blew, uh-huh. and I remember you predicted that you know. And the last time it blew was like who knows when, right? It was so long ago. I uh-huh. I kind of didn't believe you. I was <laughs> like, yeah, all right, that's not gonna be in our lifetime. And then I <laughs> then I hear it's like the volcano's going off. I'm like, yeah, it's going off again. No, 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 the other one. You know, Mauna Loa's <laughs> going off. So, um, so I, you know, you know, a lot of respect to you for that. I mean, knowing that that was going to go, but, um, can you speak to, uh, a little bit of the history, like what is, what has happened in the last, since you started shooting in 2008 and kind of where we stand now and what you see as, uh, you know, you, you know, what you would predict as far as. Or can you? I mean, can you even really predict? Or can you just say, hey, you know, I, I think, do you know anything about where the the reservoirs stay as far as lava and and, and what potentially can be uh, going off again and or a danger to, to Big Island? Well, um, so a little bit of history on the Big Island, I guess. Mm-hmm. The Big Island is made up of five volcanoes, Kohala, Mauna Kea, Mauna Loa, Hualalai, and Kilauea. And um, uh, Kilauea and Mauna Loa are uh, considered active. Uh, Hualalai is, is dormant. Uh, geologists still believe that uh, Hualalai will erupt sometime probably not within our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mauna Kea and Kohala are, well, Kohala is extinct for sure. Mauna Kea still has potential, I guess, of uh, activity sometime down the road. I'm not sure. So dormant. Dormant. Mauna Kea is dormant. Yeah. Sleeping. Sleeping. But um, anyway, uh, Kilauea is considered to be the world's most active volcano, while Mauna Loa 
is the largest, the world's largest active volcano. And um, so Mauna Loa erupted in December, this past December, uh, 2022. Uh, actually started on November 27th, I think. And uh, eruption lasted for like 10 days. Uh, and it had been long overdue for an eruption. Last time it erupted was in 1984. And there were swarms of seismic activity and a bunch of inflation that occurred. So that's why it all pointed toward an eruption happening. And uh, Can you take us through that, what that means like for the listeners? Uh, I know from being around you what seismic activity and inflation means, but if you... Uh, if you just if you don't know what what are the things that you because con- I see you looking at your phone constantly and looking at uh, seismic activity in your I don't know if you're looking at inflation as well but yeah what but what are the okay what are the things that you're looking at do you look at them daily yeah okay so what are, what are you looking at daily so I look at um, inflationary charts and graphs um, and also. Uh, seismic activity. So seismic activity means uh, uh, earthquakes and uh, ground tremor. You know that's measured by the USGS. Um, they have a network of instruments out there in the field, and uh, they they're able to tell uh, where these earthquakes are centered and how deep um, the earthquakes are. Uh, how deep the earthquakes are. Mm-hmm. So the shallower the, the earthquakes are, uh, it means, um, you know, it can be either caused by uh, ground shifting or by magma movement. And um, so if, it, if the earthquake happens along a rift zone or a seismic uh, fault zone, then... You know, it's probably shifting of land rather than magma. But if it's under the summit of uh, Mauna Loa or Kilauea, then it's more than likely magma movement underground. And uh, along with that goes, um, comes with uh, inflation. So as uh, the magma chambers beneath the summit fill with magma, uh, these reservoir, these reservoirs of magma will um, swell uh, and push ground, push the ground upward. So the geologists have uh, a network of tilt meters and GPS um, uh, sensors that will uh, measure the amount of movement. And uh, so looking at uh, seismic activity, where things are centered, and uh, how deep that, you know, the ground tremors are, along with the uh, uh, DI charts, then you can kind of... DI? Uh, deflationary, inflationary okay. charts, yeah. Gotcha. Inflation, basically. Okay. That's what the scientists call it. DI charts, okay. Yeah. Basically uh, looking at the mountains... Inflating. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you can kind of tell where um, the magma's trending. Mm. Interesting. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. Um, and so you're looking at those things daily. 
Yeah, it's kind of the heartbeat of the the volcano. Mm. So. What what are you seeing right now? And uh, like what what's more what's more active, um, Mauna Loa, or or Kilauea? Well, Mauna Loa just erupted in December, so uh, you know it, it lost a lot of the the stored magma within. You know it effused all that lava. And uh, but since that eruption start that since that eruption stopped, uh, the summit of Mount Loa has been slowly reinflating. Oh, yeah. So you're seeing you're okay. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, so the magma chambers are refilling with magma, but that's exciting. Exciting, yeah. But it's um, also uh, refilling um, at a at a low rate oh, okay there's not too much uh, seismic activity up there mm. so it's not at a point where it's gonna erupt you know but it's on the magma chambers are on the way up yeah it's slowly reinflating Kilauea on the other hand um, you know we just had a short eruption I think it started on June Sixth, I'm not sure about the exact day, but um, uh, Halima'uma'u crater uh, erupted again, and uh, lava spilled over the entire crater's surface. Mm. And um, but then that eruption just stopped a few days ago. I think on Monday it stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's no molten lava to see, but you know the day that uh, the eruption stopped, um, inflation started again. So I see. Yeah, so we'll see an you know a, another eruption take place uh, before too long. What do you think? How long? Might be months. Not sure. I see. Yeah. Um, when. You said the last uh, eruption for Mauna Loa was 1984. Uh-huh. Um, did you see this one coming? Did you see it like the the mountain inflating and saying, "Wow, look at this!" Like you know, did did you see like a lot of seismic activity before it blew? Yeah. So yeah. you knew? Did you know it was coming within days or within weeks, or did you even know? Uh, so since the early 2000s, um, we we've had. Um, quite a bit of inflation occur and there were seismic swarms that occurred as well and uh, the USGS um, you know put everybody on alert several times over the past two decades saying that you know uh, seismic activity uh, is elevated and along with the you know inflation of the summit that uh, there was a possibility of an eruption occurring, but um, they never knew for sure. And um, yeah, we, so, you know, we've lived through that, experienced that a number of times. Mm. Early 2000s, I think it was around 2012, I think we had another 
a series of swarms, and then again a few years ago, and then uh, earlier last year we had um, increased uh, seismic activity again, and you know, summit continued to inflate, mm -hmm. and uh, finally in late November it. Uh, did it surprise you? Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah. But uh, where were you? I was uh, trying to sleep. <laughs> well, did you Did you hear anything, or did like an alarm? Oh, my my earthquake app kept uh, going off, uh, and um, yeah. What was it on the Richter scale? Uh, the earthquakes were probably magnitude three five to four or five, maybe. Ooh, four or five is getting up there. Yeah, that, but we never felt anything in Kalmana, so. Yeah, I know some people in Kona felt the the tremors. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so who's if Mount if Mauna Loa was to blow like big time, uh -huh. like who's at risk? Who's first to go? Uh, it depends where it blows from. Mm, okay. So. So this eruption that we had recently was, it's considered a summit eruption. Mm. Lava spilled out onto uh, Mokuaveoveo's um, floor, you know, that crater floor. Mm -hmm. And then there was some activity on the southwest rift. Okay. And then the activity shifted to the northeast rift. So the northeast rift is um, uh, the one that uh, kind of points toward Hilo. Mm -hmm. So... There was fear about um, a flow coming down toward Hilo, but luckily it flowed northward uh, from that rift toward Saddle, the saddle between Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so if it, it flowed on the southern side of the rift, then that would have put Hilo at risk. Mm -hmm. uh, any kind of activity on the western slopes would be big trouble, uh, especially the southwest rift because it's steep. The terrain is steep and um, uh, in its path would be um, that large subdivision called, uh, sorry, can't think of it. Is it uh, Pahala? No, uh -huh. um, on the western side of South Point. Um, shucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Ocean View. Ocean View, right, yeah. right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that is steep. It's it really just, steep. It would just come right down at them. Yeah, because in 1954, when Mauna Loa erupted from the Southwest Rift, flows reached the ocean within a few hours. Mm. And uh, that's the fear. If it happens to erupt from the Southwest Rift, you know, now that area is very... It's been developed quite a bit since 1954. So there are a number of people that would be in uh, potentially in the eruptions path. Mm. That's why that land is cheap out there. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cheap back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you asked who's at risk. I mean, half of the big island uh, sits on the slopes of. Mauna Loa, so 
it's not out of the question for uh, any of these areas to be affected. To go, yeah. Yeah. Can you explain um, what kind of volcano uh, Mauna Loa is, the shield? Yeah. Versus uh, what kind of volcano um, Kilauea is? Or is, are they the same? Is Kilauea's shield as well? Yeah, both are shield volcanoes. And what is... Uh, are there? Do we have any other kinds of volcanoes on the island other than shields? No. So we would have to compare that to like a, um, was this like a cinder cone somewhere else in the world, like uh, like a stratovolcano, like uh, Mount Rainier, is, Mount Rainier, or, yeah, or yeah, Mount St. Helens, yeah, yeah, yeah. two yeah. different two different types, yeah, right. One more dangerous than the other. Yeah, for sure. Uh, stratovolcanoes, you know, they send out pyroclastic flows uh, you know their lavas are um, much more viscous mm -hmm. they contain more silica so it, it's uh, can you what is silica silica is like volcanic glass and uh, Hawaiian volcanoes typically are uh, consist of like 40 to 60 percent silica uh, as opposed to stratovolcanoes, you know, their flows are much more, um, have a much higher content of silica. So their flows are, um, their eruptions are uh, explosive and can cause much more damage mm -hmm. much quicker. Yeah. So we wouldn't see a, a pyroclastic flow here? Not typically. It, it, I suppose it could happen, you know, like Mauna Kea is a um, volcano that's in the post-shield stage. So you see all those cones mm. um, yeah, that happens in the post-shield stage. That's a shield volcano that's uh, uh, toward the end of its life cycle, I guess. Kind of going extinct. Kinda, you know. Uh, yeah. And if that was to blow, then it would be a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> right. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not a. You're not a volcanologist. No, I'm not. But yeah. you weren't a photographer either. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know a hell of a lot. That's for sure. No, my yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Scratches the surface. Yeah. What do you, What are you scared of? Like, uh, are you scared of either, any of these volcanoes? Are you are you more scared of Mauna Loa blowing hard towards Hilo? Oh, so so yeah, so that's a fear. Yeah, because uh, the home that I live in now is just like three or four miles from the 1984 flow. Oh man, yeah, and I didn't know that when I purchased the home. It mm. wasn't until I did a flight over. Kaumana, and uh, you know, I look down and oh, there's my home, and then it's like, holy shit, yeah. what is that? Yeah, you, know? you wanted to call up the realtor, huh? <laughs> yeah. You're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, so, so the pattern uh, of eruptive activity from Mauna Loa is it starts with a summit eruption mm -hmm. followed by a rift eruption. Uh, what is a, a rift eruption versus? I know it's, the summit is the top of the mountain. Yes. Yeah. So a rift Over eruption. Side. Yeah, happens uh, 
at a lower elevation uh, down one of the rift zones that extends from the summit. Is that would that be what Puoo did, kind of that the coming off the poly, or was that off the summit? No. So so Kilauea and um, Mauna Loa, two separate animals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Mauna Loa, um, and, and this is just what I've uh, learned from Jack Lockwood, who's uh, the world's renowned expert on Mauna Loa. Mm, okay. Yeah. And uh, he was telling me that uh, typically these eruptions of Mauna Loa happen at the summit first, followed by a rift eruption. So um, uh, Mauna Loa erupted in 1976, I think, and um, erupted at the summit short-lived eruption and so he fully expected an eruption to happen in 18 months or within two years of that summit eruption and nothing happened a rift eruption yeah secondary okay yeah but then in 1984 we had that eruption uh, that occurred on Mauna Loa's northeast rift that actually put Hilo at risk mm. and that's the flow that stopped short three or four miles short of my home. Wow. So yeah. that's, it took that long for a rift eruption. Exactly. So Jack didn't, he said that they never expected that, that, that period of time to be that long. Mm. So we had that summit eruption in December. Ah. So now it's like a waiting game. Yeah. When will this happen? Yeah. Not, it's not, it's not if it's when. Kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Judging Mother Nature, but yeah. but that's the the pattern, right? Yeah. Do you know why that is? No, I I don't. I see. Yeah. Interesting. And is is that just he said that that's because he's an expert for Mauna Loa? It's just Mauna Loa, or is it shield volcanoes in general? No, it's just this this uh, Mauna Loa. Mauna Loa. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Puoo. Yeah. That vent, is that part? Uh, just forgive me, just for being stupid. But is that, is that part of Kilauea? Yeah. So it is part of Kilauea. Okay. Yeah. So Pu'u'u sits on Kilauea's east rift zone. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Kilauea being the summit, yeah. and Pu'u'u being the rift. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. As, so, go ahead. So that east rift zone extends from Kilauea's summit, all the way to Cape Kumakahi, which is the eastern tip of the island. Okay. Yeah. So along that rift, you'll see numerous uh, craters and cones mm -hmm. of past eruptions. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. With, of which Pu'u'u'u is one of them. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, and then there's Leilani Estates, yeah. the Leilani eruption. Yeah. Which was wild. <laughs> that was wild. Right? A wild time. Yeah. Right? Right in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was looking at some of that footage the other day that I shot. I just lost SD cards I just kind of found. And, oh, really? and we're sitting out on uh, this lady's deck. Yeah. With, Auntie Debbie. Yeah. And you got uh, PBS over here. You got Nova over here. You got National Geographic over there. And everybody's... <laughs> You're you're in the mix. You're in the middle. 
and I'm like a fly on the wall, just don't know how I even ended up there. <laughs> yeah, that was a wild time, man. That was. That was neat. That was a million dollar view that evening, right? Right. Yeah. Can Crazy. You, it was magical, right? It was. Yeah. Um, you know, it was my one of my favorite moments of that whole night was yeah. we went out in the field. You remember we were all screwing around and you're shooting birds at Mick and all that, like, and we're laughing <laughs> with, with Tim and, and everything. Uh -huh. And we came in in the evening and um, God, what's his name? Um, oh, I forget his name, but he's laying there just in a, in a, like a, uh, like a recliner chair or something or like a, uh, like, um, Oh, Ikaika. Ikaika, yeah. yeah. We're just walking back in, and he's out sleeping, and lava's everywhere. <laughs> uh, it was so wild. I was like, look at this. This is amazing, you know? It was so cool. I wish I would have taken a picture of that. Uh -huh. But we're walking in, and everybody's speaking, like, talking all around. He, I, he looked like he had just had enough. He just went out, like he was out sleeping in front of, like, everyone walking around him. Yeah. Just so tranquil. Like the yeah. moment, the moment was really cool. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man, we were lucky, right? I was lucky to be there. We were you, blessed. Yeah, yeah, we we certainly were. Yeah, I. You can never get that that man. Th there's a picture that I had that I used on my Instagram. This is like my favorite picture of all times. Uh -huh. I coaxed tim and uh, the sound guy into coming with me out to to where the lava <laughs> really was and i had to i mean i'm talking cokes like with a like a dog biscuit to like get them to come out like come on guys come on come on come on yeah. and like and we finally get out there and you could hear the lava like it's shooting up in the air you could uh -huh. hear the lava slapping on the old uh lava rock around it like uh -huh. plop Blah, 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 blah. You know, and the the ground is has got this this uh, like a a truck tremor, just like just like, and and the the lava is going blah 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 blah. And luckily, the wind is blowing away from us, so you're yeah. not really feeling the. It's hot as hell. You're not really feeling the heat, uh -huh. but the view was insane. We were so close, like close to where, at any point, a glob of lava could have just come coming our way and just like melted your brain like it, <laughs> you know and I, I don't know what we were doing there like why <laughs> why we were even there but i turned around and they snapped a picture and i i'll, I'll never forget that picture it was crazy and then That's after cool. that picture they were like let's get the hell out of here so we started like basically running out of there yeah. but man and that's the closest i've ever been to like 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 true i feel like danger uh -huh. you know because you didn't know if that thing was going to just turn like you know what what gets into you when you get because I've seen it happen to you too. I don't know what you'd call this, like a lava crazy or or I don't know what it is, but I've seen it happen to you, like from from afar. Uh -huh. You're just getting it's almost like a a magnet. It's you're just getting closer and closer and closer to the lava, uh -huh. and if you're not if you're not into it, if you're not being drawn into it, you can. I've seen it happen to you where I'm back and I'm watching you get closer and closer, and then. You're on this ledge, you know, you end up on this ledge and you're looking at the, I'm looking at the ledge and I'm like, at any point, that entire ledge could just slide right down into the pool of lava, you know, but you're <laughs> out there, you know, is there such a thing? Do you feel like there's a, there's like a, almost like a, oh, I don't know what you'd call that. Just like a, 
like it's calling you, like bringing you closer and closer to it. Just that color, that that power, right? Like moths to a flame. Kind of. No, yeah. I'm being serious, right? Yeah. Isn't it like that? Well, for me, it's it, it's all about getting the shot. So I'm always thinking about, you know. Oh, so yeah, it's more work. Yeah. I see. I mean, I don't consider it work, you know. It's like, I guess, I mean, yeah, technically it is work for me, but that's what I do. Yeah. But my, my goal is to to document the activity. Mm-hmm. And what's running through my head is always how do I compose the shot to best capture that moment Mm. and a lot of times closer is better yeah but not always you know so like that that time you just described about you and tim and jamie getting out close to that vent yeah i wanted to be there too but i also have that experience knowing that all that cooled lava cooled is a relative term Right, all that crusted overflow was still very hot. So being that close, that low to the ground, I wouldn't be able to get any usable shots. You said that. I remember you saying that. Yeah. You said it's too hot. Yeah. So this. that's why I had to go back and shoot because the light was getting good. Ah, right? I see. Yeah. The sun was setting, and you know that was the blue hour. That's like the primo time to shoot. So I didn't want to waste any time getting up close. Um, that's when I knew you were a professional. Like, I mean, I'm being honest. Like, cause <laughs> I'm like, how can you turn this down? Like, we're going to, we're going to it. We're going up to it. You know? Believe me, I wanted to. No, be I could tell. I could tell. You, you yeah. but you were like, no, oh, I can't. Man, the light is so good right here. And then you tried to explain it to me in my in my crazed my crazed <laughs> look of like I'm going. You're, you know, I heard like half of what you said, but I remember you did saying that, like it's too hot for the actual photo. Yeah. The photo wouldn't be usable. I remember you saying that. And I'm like, oh, to hell with you. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it was, uh, it was cool. Man, it was cool. And then we came back and we were just, yeah, we're, we're high. We're high. Yeah. Like, like we just smoked. Time, a, uh, yeah. But like a, a ton brick of dope like we just came back like wow look at that crazy you know yeah yeah we were was, buzzing, man. yeah no we were not and then uh tim which he didn't want to go but when he got back you could just see it in his face he was like holy shit you know i can't believe we did that yeah but uh but yeah man was, oh i can't it just brings back those moments of like how nuts that that night was yeah. Uh, I, you know, I wish people could experience that. I wish people, there's, a, you know, a lot of people that could get that close and actually see that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing yeah. like it. You know, a lot of people at work when I was working at the urgent care used to say like, why are you, why are you going down there every day? Like, what is your problem? I'm <laughs> like, you don't, you don't understand. You don't, you don't get it. No, no, we get it. We've seen it before, you know, but I feel like I was on this, like, I don't, I don't know, like on this different path of exploration that i needed to see it like more and more because uh-huh. you know how i i rationalized it i was like where else in the world can you see this like this you know uh-huh. remember i used to tell you the stories i used to go down there and fall did i ever tell you that i used to fall asleep down there yeah yeah 
like you could hear the the waves lapping up and hitting the lava as it's going into the ocean. Yeah. And then the the waves are crashing. And then the the trade winds are just blowing across my face. And then the warmth of the lava. I was out. I'd wake up and I'd look up and there's stars and hearing the the hearing those <laughs> those sounds that just you know uh-huh. uh, just kind of articulated. It was man. It was like magic. Yeah. You can't explain it any other way. Yeah. Like magic. Yeah. I'm getting a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting excited thinking about it, man. Wow. Wow. Oh, crazy. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think I think you and I we appreciate that aspect you know that that uh those events and um i i think a lot of people don't appreciate it the way we do Hmm. and um i think many people take it for granted too Hmm. living here on the island i can see how that can happen you know sure yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's all. Oh, yeah. It's erupting again. Yeah. Uh, it'll erupt again at some point. I'll go see it. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. But, you know, each eruption, every every minute is different. Yeah. That's what I noticed being up there and really close and in danger with you, is that at any point, maybe that was the draw. At any point, anything could have happened. Uh-huh. And is that, like you say, moths to a flame? Is it? I almost feel like it's there was this weird excitement to like possibly getting hurt. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> is is that how you think about it? No. No. I well, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to get hurt. I yeah, yeah. What is my yeah. problem? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I felt there was an excitement there. Yeah. yeah, of like getting on to like I don't know what you'd call those those columns. Uh you know how uh especially the ocean entry, right? Uh-huh. We would cross these these columns where you'd look down in this crack, and you'd realize you're standing on a column that could just kind of tilt into the ocean because uh-huh. it's the entire thing is separated from the cliff, and you're standing on it just to get closer to see that I don't know what you'd call it as a column I don't know but you'd, you're standing on it to get a closer look and then maybe you could jump to another one another one another one then you're getting even closer, <laughs> but now you're like who knows at what point at some point this thing that you're standing on is going to be in the ocean. Yeah. But is it at, is it the moment that you're standing on it, you know, or <laughs> could it be next week? <laughs> or the, you know, maybe that's the aspect that draws you to it. I think so. Yeah. I think so. For me, I think as a photographer, you know, um, volcanic activity is just so dynamic that each moment, each minute, holds the potential for seeing and experiencing something new right. and different. Right. So for me, that's the draw. Right. Is that I know when I'm out there shooting, and I've spent thousands of hours out in the lava field shooting lava, mm-hmm. and every moment is different. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from one minute to the next, I mean, there could be, it could be such a drastic change and being there to experience that, I mean, it's incredible. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah, I think there's different, we have maybe, of course, different reasons because you're a professional and you're out, and I have, I have my camera out there too, but I'm not shooting the way you're shooting. I'm just, hey, I get close, I get, oh, well, that's a better picture for me. <laughs> you're like, hey, I could 
you know, this is art. And, uh, but there's an aspect, there's an aspect of it to me. And I don't think I've ever even really told myself this, but I think just by talking about it, I, the, the allure of getting, that sounds crazy, but the allure of getting hurt or the allure of, of, of danger is something that's kind of like, I mean, when we are walking back to the truck, we're, we're like, oh, that was, we don't even have to say it. We're like, <laughs> we're almost like we, we just went through like some kind of uh, tornado or some kind of journey, like weird journey that we're, we're, we're leaving and we, f we feel fulfilled. Is that, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like uh, there's a certain excitement going where yeah. like we're excited and we're, you know, getting ready and we're locking up the truck and we're getting ready to hike or whatever it is. And then when we're coming back, we're like, we're so loose. Like I notice how loose we are. <laughs> like, wow, he just did it. He just did it. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I see it in you too. Your hair's all messed up, and you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, you know, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, nothing like it, man. Nothing yeah. like it. I gotta thank you, yeah, for 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 allowing me to tag on to a lot of, of course, those, man. a lot of those midnight hikes and and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you know what, those days. I do, man. I do. We'll have those again. Yeah. I really think so. We'll be underneath the stars at some point, mm -hmm. you know, sh shooting and talking about, wow, remember this? Remember we were, <laughs> we were here just not too long ago, and here we are again. The, yeah. the trade winds hitting our face in the middle of the night and looking up at the stars, and there's some big fire hose coming out, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> of lava out of the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. completely craziness. Um, you know what I wanted to ask you too. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, photographic settings and contrast. Uh -huh. um, when you have something really bright, like uh -huh. like lava, bright orange colors that you've never seen before, uh -huh. underneath a sky that's black with stars, you know, like holes punched through a canopy, you know, tiny little holes, and you're trying to get that shot is are there like certain settings is there like a certain certain or you're just kind of tweaking as you go tweak 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 yeah. tweak tweak right yeah it's there aren't any magical settings to make things happen mm -hmm. um, cameras cameras are able to capture um a specific dynamic range that will uh you know, it'll record uh, the photons of the the view that sits in front of you. You know, from bright lava to you know details in the shadows, and uh, depending upon how sensitive your uh, sensor is, it may capture a wider dynamic range than other sensors. You know. Mm -hmm. Cameras are getting better and better with each generation, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. So there's is no it? magic setting. It, it it's just um, knowing what your camera is capable of capturing, and uh, being able to um, see what the camera sees. I think you're able to uh, finesse an exposure that captures the the best uh 
the camera is able to of that scene. Mm -hmm. So you're just constantly tweaking certain things when you're out there. Yeah. What are the main, for somebody who doesn't know photography and says, hey, I want to start shooting manual, you know, and I want to, what are the, what are the main things? I mean, there's a ton that you're, you've got your eyes on, but right. Yeah. But what are like the main ones? Like if you had to pick like three or four main things to like really look at when you're, you know, somebody who's a kind of, you know, a novice photographer that's now shooting manual and doing his or her own settings. What are the main things you're looking at when you're out there? Especially like, let's talk about night first. Like if you're at night. Uh, if you're shooting during the night, then you want to make sure that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're exposing properly so you have detail in your shots. If you shoot at night and you underexpose, of course, it's just going to be black. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to um, expose for a long enough period, but also use your ISO to increase the sensitivity um, your increase the your sensors sensitivity to light so ISO would be one ISO mm -hmm. ISO your shutter speed and your aperture those are the three settings that you need to be aware of and so those are the three top yeah ISO shutter speed aperture yeah gotcha okay and have you you've shot in a lot of different cameras you're you're shooting canon right now yeah. right uh -huh. you shot sony no never shot sony nope never never not even like a friend's like come out and it's like no i can't believe you're shooting canon i'm shooting sony take a look nothing <laughs> i've i've looked at sony's but 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 haven't really spent enough time to know how good they are or bad or 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 comparison no. nikon nope really what else? Not it? Just Canon? Just Canon, man. Is this a Canon commercial? Like, <laughs> are you? <laughs> what, I hope they're listening because I'm doing? a loyal guy, man. They're not going to listen to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. You can tell me the truth. What is it? Like, is it really you? <laughs> so really, Canon is your jam, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You're sponsored by Canon, right? You're pretty much. Uh, they, they support me. They send um, you stuff, right? Um, yeah, like I'm the official photographer for the Merry Monarch Festival. Okay. And every year they send me gear to use, um, you know, to shoot to, to shoot, it, to shoot yeah. it, yeah. To, for those who don't know about Merry Monarch, what is that? It's, um, it's the singly most important cultural event in Hawaii. Mm. Uh, That's so saying it, a lot, Bruce. Well, that's, and I'm not exaggerating. It's the, the most, the most important cultural event in Hawaii. In Hawaii, really? Yeah, because it combines, it brings together uh, the music, the language, and the art of hula, which are, you know, that's, Every, Those are major components of the culture right there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, it's known loosely as like the Super Bowl of hula. It's a hula competition, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it, it's, um, yeah. 
that event alone carries a big part of the Hawaiian culture. Hmm. Why is it called the Merry Monarch? It's named after uh, King David Kalakaua. He was known as the Merry Monarch because he liked to party. Oh, yeah. that's what that means, Merry Monarch. Yeah. Merry is in happy, Monarch. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's named after him mm-hmm. because he liked to party. Not because he liked to <laughs> party, but no. he was known as the Merry Monarch. Gotcha. So it's named after him because he loved hula. I see. He loved the culture, you know. Oh. Yeah. What, do you know what year that was and like when, all, when that all kind of got started? Do you know when the first one was, the first Mary I, Monarch? Yeah, I think it was 1963. Okay. Well, yeah, 63, because uh, this year it was the 60th, oh. 60th annual. And it's held in which month? Uh, either April or, uh, either March or April. March or April. Yeah. Uh, so just, just finish. It, yeah. Yes. So uh, Easter Sunday is the first day of Mary Monarch Week. Mm-hmm. And uh, it runs through that week. The competition um, starts on the Thursday of that week. Mm-hmm. And um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Thursday is the Miss Hula competition, Miss Aloha Hula competition. And then Friday is the Kahiko, which is the traditional hula. Mm-hmm. And Saturday is the Awana, or the modern hula. I see. Yeah. What? Why is it held in Hilo? Why is it? In, uh, it's this is where the um, festival was started. Mm. Yeah, I see. Um, I've never been, you know. I've I've never been. Act, I mean, and I've been in Hilo, like so. I don't know. That doesn't say a lot about me um, <laughs> at all. Um, but I've heard <laughs> that it's better to watch it on TV. Uh, it's it's better to watch it on TV. Because it, you know you can watch it um, almost like a football in the game. comfort of your own home, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that aspect because the event is really long. You know, we start at six. Competition usually runs uh, till like eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, and then there's the judging that happens after mm-hmm. uh, on the last night. So it's a long night it's a long evening to be sitting on a bleacher that's what i heard too like why is it like that why is it what does it have to be a bleacher for all those hours it just yeah they shouldn't they build a stadium for it or no is that weird they yeah there's talk of that but yeah it's it's been happening at this uh uh stadium for since the, since the 60s? Or that long? Um, no, I think when when it first started that the current stadium was not uh, was not in existence. So the mm. venue was, uh, I, I think, the Civic Auditorium. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we just, I don't know why I asked you about that, but you mentioned Mary Mark, so I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in that. Um I wanted to ask you too, um, what have you ever thought about since uh, volcanoes are like a, you know, a big part of your life or this one in particular, I had asked you this a long time ago and you kind of brushed me off, <laughs> but have you ever thought about 
uh, shooting other volcanoes around the world? I, I have. And? I want to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So have you thought about, like, if, if you're going to do that? I think that w- those pictures would be amazing to contrast what's going on here, don't yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Do you have your passport? I do. What, what's erupting? Oh, uh, well, for one thing, it takes money, right? <laughs> oh, come on, Bruce. That's nothing. You can get Canon to sponsor you. You can go. <laughs> I wish. But, um, yeah, I do have uh, an interest in shooting other volcanoes. Um, I do want to experience that, and then ultimately I want to share that with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got clients that are itching to to go shooting with me in Iceland and wherever else, you know. Yeah, do you know do you know what's erupting anywhere else right now? Uh there's always volcanoes erupting across the, the globe. Mm-hmm. But, the ring uh, of fire. Yeah. 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 I would love to do that with you. you Let's know? go, man. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> I have my passport now. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Cool. At any point. Yeah. yeah I think Iceland would be amazing to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they have supposed to have these like really amazing uh um Hot tubs or hot hot springs, <laughs> hot, hot tubs. <laughs> yeah, we got hot tubs in Iceland. Yeah, what an idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hot springs. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be cool. It's supposed to be like uh, like a really great experience out yeah. there in Iceland. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, your most dangerous, the the most dangerous experience, you know where you've put yourself into a position and you've come out of it and you're like, I can't believe I came out of that. Uh, that would have to be this one time I took a friend um, down to see Halima'uma'u's lava lake mm-hmm. in a restricted area. <laughs> Is that me? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, so we get down there and... So a funny thing happened is that uh, my friend said, you know, he was a photo- he's a photographer as well, and uh, but he was visiting, and um, he said that he just wanted to go for the experience. He didn't want to shoot it. Hmm. Yeah, kind of weird. But um, I said, okay, you know, let's go. So we left our bags in my truck. That's kind of like like red flag number one. Like, what does that mean, right? Well, he, you know, because it was a restricted area, I think he was afraid of oh. spending too much time down there and getting caught. He just kind of wanted to go see it real quick and come yeah. back. Okay, got it. So I left my bag in the car with his, and uh, we hiked out halfway out to Halima'uma'u. I realized my inhaler and my respirator were in my bag. Mm. Those are two things I never go out to the volcano without. That was the first time that happened. and um, But I thought, eh, not a problem. I had been down there dozens and dozens of times. Never had any problem. So we get down there, and the winds were shifty. First time that ever happened. And uh, so we waited out for a bit, and then the winds started blowing in a direction that made it safe for us to hike out to the edge of the crater. Mm-hmm. Get out there, 
and we're taking in that experience and uh, maybe spent half an hour there mm-hmm. watching, taking all that uh, molten goodness in and yeah. then, then we decided to call it a night. So we start hiking out and, um, you know, that, that glow, you know, um, that glow, as you know, is very bright from the molten lava mm-hmm. and it reflects off the, the rising plume. Right. So that illuminates the ground that you're walking on. Mm-hmm. You don't even need to use flashlights because it's so bright. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're walking out and all of a sudden it, it starts getting dark. So I turn around to look at what's happening and apparently the, the wind shifted. So the plume, this toxic gas plume from the lake is coming toward us Mm. and it's hugging the ground oh man yeah it's coming fast so i yell at my friend and said we gotta take off so we had to get off the path that we were on because that path you know um traveled uh, parallel to the crater's rim we had to take off uh, perpendicular to that path to get out of the path of that Mm. gas plume but that gas plume engulfed us in just a few seconds. Oh, man. And I thought I was going to die. I mean, we're running. It was dark. And we're running over Shelly Pahoyhoy. It's covered with a layer of Pele's hair. So you can't really see where you're stepping. Yeah. Shelly Pahoyhoy is dangerous because, as you know, that thing is uh, very brittle and fragile you step on it and it collapses so you don't know if your foot is going down to something solid or you know you're gonna fall yeah yeah feet Feet. yeah 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 but we're just running and i'm trying to hold my breath because you know i'm asthmatic and i'm allergic to the sulfur and uh yeah it was crazy and ended up having to breathe of course you know you're running, burning up all that O2 in your bloodstream. Just got to breathe sooner or later. And uh, so I started having an asthma attack. And oh, man. I, I thought I was going to die. And uh, all I could remember was, uh, all I could think about was hearing my mom's voice coaching me through an asthma attack. You know, just Oh, man. Take, slow breaths and you know just concentrate on your breathing and relax you know and uh that got me through and i I made it out um i really thought i was a goner that night really yeah it's crazy yeah you can't catch your breath i don't even know what it would would feel like to to have an asthma attack and yeah you know but I've seen it happen. I've seen people crying and like they yeah. just can't catch a breath and there's no inhaler around and oh yeah. man, it looks painful. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's like um, a combination of somebody strangling you and somebody sitting on your chest. You just can't breathe. You can't breathe. Yeah. Oh. So you just had to slow down your breath. The, the plume subsided or you came out of it or? Yeah, I mean, it engulfed us. So we had to run probably 
150 to 200 yards to get out of that plume. Mm. And it was all over that, you know, that Shelly Pohoihoi field. And yeah, gnarly stuff. Yeah. There was no trail. Yeah, I had never walked that area before. Yeah. Yeah. Sketchy. Sketchy. Yeah. 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 I bet he was freaking out too. Like he didn't know what to do, right? Yeah. You're, 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 you can't breathe. And like he's, uh, yeah, he's scared because he, he had never experienced that before, right? Yeah. Was he okay? Like he, yeah, he was okay. He was just looking at you like, what the hell? Yeah, he didn't know whether to take off without yeah. me or, you know. Oh. I would have, I mean, how far were you from the truck? Oh. A mile or two? Oh, farther. Oh, like wow. Three or four miles, I think. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I thought, yeah. I'm like thinking to myself, what would I do? I don't know if I would run to the truck to get your inhaler or like, or what? Oh man, what a nightmare! Yeah, crazy, crazy. Man, so um, anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> anything else you want people to know? Uh, about, Jason Chan is about, a, <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, they know that that's not true. Well, I I admire you and your work. You know, as a PA what you do to help people. I mean, that's, that's a career I actually, I, I wanted to get into medicine. Really? Yeah. You never told me that. That's cool. Uh, I, I, when my dad passed away, I saw how much uh, the docs, the nurses, all helped my dad and helped us. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I was so serious about it, I actually did ride-alongs with paramedics on Oahu. Oh, wow. And I, I wanted to pursue uh, emergency medicine. Yeah. Wow. And then what happened? Uh, you came to your senses. <laughs> <laughs> um, my partners at the firm weren't too happy about that. I don't like your partners at the firm. Yeah, they're dicks, man. Yeah, man. Seriously. <laughs> They don't. They don't sound like good people at all. Yeah. Um. Well, you made the right choice, Bruce. Let's just say that. <laughs> Glad you didn't get into medicine, especially with COVID and the way things have happened in the last few years, man. Oh. COVID was crazy. COVID was crazy. You could say that again. It made me reconsider my whole path. I still do. Oh, really? Yeah, I still do. I still reconsider it. Hope no one's listening to this, but man, <laughs> I don't, uh, if you want me to be honest, I don't, um, the people who are closest to me, who really know me well and, and my, my journey in medicine, uh -huh. they know that I, that I like, I love helping people. I want to help people. Uh -huh. Um, but they, they know that I, I hate what I do. I, and I, it sounds weird, right? To see, uh -huh. to even say that, but, um, I'll tell you how kind of how it happened, like when I got out of school. So my background is, you know, as a fire rescue, I did fire rescue for, man, like 10 years. Uh -huh. I was um, basically a high school dropout stoner that surfed. <laughs> really? all, oh, yeah. Surfed all day. Uh -huh. And it was in Florida. And 
I'm talking the whole hippie thing, dude. Like I had a hippie van. I had a Volkswagen van <laughs> that was rusted out. The bottom was all rusted out. I could see <laughs> as I was driving. I could see the road. I'm telling oh, you. Man. Yeah, it was wild. I'm looking at my slippers, like pushing down on the clutch, and I'm looking down at the pavement as I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, full on heading to the beach in a hippie van, right? Full on uh-huh. Spicoli type situation, <laughs> right? Uh, high. <laughs> and uh all i wanted to do was surf and uh-huh. i ended up um becoming a lifeguard because that's the only path that i saw that i could be close to the ocean you uh-huh. know and i loved being in the water and then the firemen the fire rescue guys used to come down to our tower and stand next to us and watch the girls and uh i'm like you guys come down here like three times a, a day like what is this you know <laughs> And uh-huh. just getting to know those guys, they their schedule was 24 on, 48 off. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I want to do that. The two days off, I'm going to go <laughs> surf. Oh, man, that, that's all I was thinking. I had to be honest with you. And I was a terrible student. You know, I didn't want, as soon as I hit pre-algebra, I thought my grades were good. But as soon as I hit pre-algebra and I saw what algebra was about to do <laughs> to me, I, I like, my grades took a nosedive. Um, and um yeah just being honest like i wasn't a good student and um did everything just to surf and be close to the water so lifeguarding and then from lifeguarding the lazy part of me wanted this two days off the fireman had so did that uh-huh. and then my mom was a nurse so that kind of like that hybrid of like seeing my mom in medicine and me doing like CPR and then finally EMT then I got into paramedic and then uh-huh. that's kind of how I got into the medicine aspect uh-huh. and again just being honest not because I loved it or because I quote wanted to help people uh-huh. I saw the PAs made more money than nurses so I said <laughs> okay I want to do that <laughs> yeah complete selfishness right and so when I get out of school after being a PA by the skin of my teeth mind you getting through pa school just because uh-huh. i just i was i didn't have money so i was working as a paramedic in in the er in miami and i was um i was going to pa school during the day so i'd work all night seven to seven be at school at eight wow and i'm in the back of this class with my head up against the wall and i remember <laughs> <laughs> professor stringer i never forget this guy's name knew my schedule he knew what i did and uh-huh. he would just call on me just just to call on me to make me look like a fool. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Because he knew I didn't study. He knew I didn't look at the material. Mr. Chan <laughs> is what he would say. And I'd, I'd look up, you know, barely, my eyes barely open, and tell us about the pathology of, you know, whatever the hell. And, man, <laughs> I'm talking like I was too tired to be embarrassed. I was just, like, tired. I'd look like a complete fool. I don't know how I got to the PA school, but so that put it that way. So that's the person we're talking about, right? Uh-huh. Gets into the easy transition after school was to go into um, emergency medicine because yeah, I did EMS uh-huh. and I went into emergency medicine as a PA. And I actually started to think that I was doing good. I was like, hey, you know, like I saw myself doing like some kind of high acuity stuff in the ER, like really taking care of people. I'm like, I can do this until one day. And it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened. And that's changed my whole 
perspective on medicine. Uh This one day, the medical director comes up to me and says, hands me a memo. It says, from now on, we're going to be giving Leviquin, which is an antibiotic, to anybody with chest pain. And so, I mean, if you know anything about that at all, it's like, like why, why are we doing that? So it, it's counterintuitive to what I learned in school. Uh-huh. And come to find out it was because the hospital was being sued. Uh, I think they had their third lawsuit in so, uh, so many years or months or whatever from patients that were uh, either getting dying of pneumonia or whatever. Um, and they wanted us, no matter what, to, to give those patients at least one seven fifty. Um, PO, like a pill of Leviquin, didn't matter what kind of chest pain they had, right? Oh. And um, I started asking questions like, why are we doing this? What is, you know? and, it, and it all came down basically to money, right? Oh. And they didn't want to be sued again, so they just made sure that, the pa- they, that they were treating patients with, the, they at least had Leviquin on board to say, hey, we're tr- we started treating them early. And the details are hazy, but it was it was basically that kind of thing where we're doing something not because the patient needs it, but because we're afraid of getting sued. Oh, man. oh and it was a full-on memo came down, and then that made me open my eyes to certain to other things that were happening. You know, certain mm-hmm. tests that certain people were ordering just because it was revenue for the hospital. I just started to ask more questions and like like actually open my eyes to things. Uh-huh. And dude, I got so depressed. Mm. I, was, I was a year and a half in into my like after graduating, I got so depressed about medicine that I I don't do art. Okay, I went to the art store, this big art store uh, downtown, and I bought this big canvas. Uh-huh. And this is gonna sound crazy, like I'm a crazy person, <laughs> but I painted myself red. Uh-huh. And I laid on the canvas, the, 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 from my belly button up to this, like, it was a, um, a rectangle, like a big rectangle canvas, and laid with my head to the side. Like, I fell from, in my mind, I fell from, like, a 20-story building and went splat on the pavement. Wow. Isn't that, it's deep, right? It's wild. It's wild. And I put it up on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I've, and people used to come over and be like, what is that? You know? And if I was in the mood, I'd tell them the story, but I'd be like, oh, it's just art, you know, whatever, to some, <laughs> to, to some people. Uh-huh. But some people, I would tell the story, and it would actually scare them. They'd be like, who are you? Like, what are you? <laughs> like, you have some real problems. But I think it was because I spent so much time being, not, like, not a good student, put so much effort into, like, like, getting through school and realizing that I was actually helping people or thinking that I was helping people, and the whole picture changed to where it's like yeah you're helping people and that's great and a lot of people get into this because of that but at the end of the day you have no control over what over if the administration of a hospital tells you to do something you can't do otherwise you're not in control Mm. and there were a couple other doctors. I mean, I was a PA, so I just, you know, I have a medical director. You have to do basically what people say. But there were a couple of other doctors that were uh, questioning it too, mm-hmm. but they had no control. They had to do what administration was telling them to do. Wow. And these were pure money, money decisions. Now, yeah. it's a long story to tell you that fast forward to today and COVID. And we could go, I could 
you know, tell you a ton of stories of just the last like year and a half, two years, three years since COVID and a lot of decisions that have been made in medicine mm -hmm. secondary to profit, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, I could tell you stories that will blow your mind mm. from some of the facilities that I've been in and the decisions that they're making and the, the drugs they're prescribing and the certain tests that they're doing just because they're getting funding, right? In order to keep that number high so they can keep the funding going right uh -huh. i should probably shouldn't be saying this on like rec like <laughs> because i'll probably you know whoever who knows you know i might not be able to get another job again <laughs> right? Edit. no i don't i don't care i honestly don't care um uh -huh. no one's gonna listen to this anyway. <laughs> well, uh, that's scary man it is scary and a lot of people don't know that man a lot of people don't know that mm -hmm. but uh, I think just from my history, coming from where I come from and to to where I, how would I put this? I was never supposed to be there. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I feel like I was never supposed to be there. And because I was, because I was put in the position that I, I was in or in, I'm in now, mm -hmm. I see things a different way. It's not like it was my goal to be a provider, right? Yeah. It's just my mind is, or my who I am as a person has now like kind of I've, I've been dropped into this situation where hey this is not right you know a lot of what's going on isn't right now there's a lot of people who feel the way I do and they're just out there they don't pay they don't put too much stock in that they just put their head down and, and are helping patients and that's the proper way to do it not to really look at it too deeply just kind of say hey this person comes in I'm doing 80% of what I should be doing for this patient may not be a hundred percent, but I'm doing most of what I need to do. Mm. So a long story, I'm not saying that you made the right decision by not going into medicine, but sometimes <laughs> I, especially lately, I've really questioned that. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've been searching people again, people who are really close to me, know, know me really well, know that I've been struggling with, that for a long time trying to f trying to find happiness in 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 being in the in medicine you know because i do mm -hmm. want to help people it's just that the way things are here here's another example a quick one and mm -hmm. that is uh covid uh coming back right uh -huh. like tomorrow we could have another strain mm -hmm. of covid or another wacky flu or something to where we're masked up again and we're shut down and businesses are shut down and all this kind of stuff uh -huh. and i'm not first of all I'm not a conspiracy guy i'm not trying to say that i'm a uh i'm a trumper i'm a you know red white i bleed red <laughs> white and blue or but i i mean i love america you know uh -huh. i love america let me just tell you that and uh -huh. i mean i could be a trumper but <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, um, but what if I what if I was or what if I wasn't, right? So who cares? But the the long and short of it is, is we've gone through this thing to where it's like we've been tested, and I feel like in a way we've failed this test. You know, Did, uh -huh. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like we've failed this test in how we handled this problem, uh -huh. and yeah, it was our first time with it, and. I think a lot of people learned, but ask yourself this, Bruce, and I'm in medicine because I ask myself this a lot. Uh -huh. What if it was to happen again, right? Uh -huh. The same thing or something worse comes out of East Africa or, 
China again or Japan or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's real. I mean, on the news, it's splattered all over CNN and Fox or whatever that this is the worst yet. It's way worse than COVID. You got to stay home. What happens then? Mm-hmm. You know, do we do we question it? Do like and I'm again, I'm looking at it from a medicine point of view. Uh-huh. When it comes down from the top in administration that certain things have to be done, you don't question it. You don't. You just have to go along with it. Uh-huh. And it kind of takes away your everything you learned in school, right? A lot of what uh-huh. you learned in school. Uh-huh. The books aren't in control. What you learned is not in control. That Your education is not in control. Administration, the hospital, the business, who you work for, they're in control. And they're going to tell you what what's going to happen at this point, right? Mm. So with all that being said, man, it's just, uh, it's not, I got to, I kind of got to say, it's not what I signed up for. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's not what I learned. It's not what, you know, so yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I, <laughs> I almost feel like I needed to say that somehow. I haven't, I haven't said it out loud. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you brought it out of me and asking about <laughs> medicine, but, but thank you for saying that you appreciate what I do, but uh-huh. that's my, that, I mean, it's, pro- it's probably a dark point of view right yeah. now. And maybe I, that's the, that's where I am with it. Uh-huh. But that's, that's how I, that's how I've felt recently. Well, you know, I think from my point of view, I, I think you questioning um, the reason why these things are being, um, placed upon you guys, you know, uh, procedures on how to treat patients and stuff. I think that's a good thing, you questioning why, you know, because if it's just uh, for a financial reason, it may not be in the patient's best interest, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you voicing your concern about that is is proper you know yeah it's cost me my job on a couple occasions it has and it's it's scary it's scary it it, in one situation it completely cost me my job and then in another situation it alienated me because Mm -hmm. i asked questions and i like you said hey we're we're all smart right then we all go to school that's why we're here isn't that why you hired me because you want me to be smart you want me to to do the right thing but when it really comes down to it and you do raise your hand and you do uh, quote cause a problem when there's people above you that don't want to hear that they've already made the decision they don't care if you're smart right the the decision has been made Mm. you're alien you can be alienated and then you know say you're not fired maybe but you're you're in a position where they've made it difficult for you Mm-hmm. So at some point you're going to just start looking for another position somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, uh, it's, I, you know, I love, I love helping people, man. I really do. I just, the, the fact that COVID had such a, a negative effect on, on what we do things as providers and nurses and MAs and, you know, nurses, aides and, you know, EMS workers and those kinds of things. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to, to, uh, to navigate. And I'm just, I'm kind of scared that 
it could happen again. Mm-hmm. And not knowing, knowing what we went through and, and knowing that how much control we gave up as providers and a lot of people who didn't ask questions and just kind of went along with stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, hey, may, maybe this couldn't have been right or, and just wanted to hold on to their jobs because they have families and that I, I completely understand that. So it's it made it difficult for I mean it made it difficult for you it made it difficult for everybody but medicine in general because you could lo- you could have lost your whole livelihood from just asking questions or mm-hmm. not not believing in wanting to get a vaccine or you know and I'm not I'm not gonna say anything like concrete about my feelings on any of that but um, if somebody asked me I would but. Um, it just man, it just made it difficult. Made it really difficult for a lot of us. So, uh, well, I I think that's wrong if you get terminated just because you ask questions. Yeah, I think those questions are healthy to be asked. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were t- were terminated for those reasons. But a lot of people, I think, were um, just more alienated and felt like medicine wasn't their friend maybe where mm-hmm. they just you know they felt out of sorts you know mm-hmm. in a lot of ways so but well, yeah i think that speaks for your integrity you know oh well that's nice of you to say brucey you obviously don't know me well <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but yeah man thanks thanks for that it's nice that's nice of you to say hey i hated to go off on a tangent there but i kind of feel like that you know that's how I feel. It's tough. That's, awesome. so, that's yeah. great, man. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for something else, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, uh, man, I think I've gone over like, like kind of my notes that I wanted to like, uh, to, to chat with you about, but you know what the last thing says here uh-huh. is that how much I appreciate your friendship. Can you believe I put that on there? Like, I needed to be reminded of that. <laughs> you make sure you say that, Jason. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the last thing I wanted to tell you is thanks, man, and, and how much I love you. I really do. And how mm-hmm. much I, 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 I appreciate how much I've learned from you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how much you've meant to me as a person. I've befriended you in a lot of different situations we've called each other and i've talked to you on the phone about things and we've mm-hmm. gone out you know on the hikes and we've talked about stuff out on the lava you know all our different conversations and yeah. you always have like just this this really wonderful and again a kind and measured uh, outlook on things that have really taken me back and allowed me to kind of reset and and look at things from a different perspective and me you've made me a better person i'm i don't mean that in like a tear jerky weird way <laughs> you have you really have man you've, you've made a difference in my life i think eddie silver is for telling me to look you up because i remember that when i was in orlando he said you make sure you look up this guy bruce when you get to big island and i didn't think much of it but when i called you you right away you were just you're amazing you're amazing dude well you know? eddie's a great guy and when he said that you'd be contacting me um you know, a friend of Eddie's is a friend of mine, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate you. Thanks for all the kind words. And, um, you know, likewise, I love you, buddy, uh, more than you know. 
Mm. And I appreciate our friendship as well. Yeah. Uh, we've shared some incredible experiences and um, hope to share more, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate that, Bruce. And um, I, I think the same thing. I don't think it's over. I think it's, I think it's, you know, we have a, 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 a long journey ahead, hopefully of like, you know, more of those nights and more of those adventures and, yeah. and I, and I can't wait, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been amazing. Likewise. It's been amazing so far. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. And I know this was weird. Okay. Because normally you and I would have this kind of conversation, just me and you, like without <laughs> these mics and headphones and stuff. So when I approached you, I, you know, I don't know if you were like, why are you, why are we going to talk on the mic? Like, why does this <laughs> catch up? Because when we, when I first saw you, we, that's the first thing we did. It was like, hey, let's go get something to eat and let's go talk, you know? <laughs> so we did that. And then the whole time, what am I saying? We should be talking on the podcast about this, you know? <laughs> and so we did a lot of talking even before this. So, yeah. um, so you, you know, our friendship is real. It's, you know, it's genuine. And yeah. there's not much of this left. I feel in, with social media, uh -huh. with uh, our phones, with uh -huh. how connected we are uh -huh. into like staring into a screen and sitting next to, I mean, how many conversations or how many times has anyone ever said this, what I'm about to say, but we're sitting right next to each other and we're both staring at screens, right? Whether it's a mom and a daughter, a uh, sister and a sister, husband and wife, yeah. you know, we're just looking at screens and we're not talking to each other. Yeah. But there's something about this, you uh -huh. know, you and I, we're not looking at our phones. We're just looking at each other and we're chatting and we're, yeah. we're catching up that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, I feel like we're losing it. Yeah. We're losing it a little bit. Yeah. You know? not, not just a little bit. Yeah. I think society has lost a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This and, is important. Yeah. And I love this, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. just a few friends that I have where we talk, you know? I mean, we're separated by miles, but, you know, get on the phone and we'd rather chat in person yeah. than text or, you know, yeah. email, you know? I mean, that's, that personal connection is important. Yeah. I flew here yeah. for this, not, not just for this podcast, but I flew here to talk to you to in person, you know, so we could like, we could like what we did when we went to, Cafe Pesto. We just sat there and we had some, we had a beer and we had a steak and we were just chatting. We had coffee after and it's like, this is, man, this is real. Yeah. And you're sitting next to me and it's like, how many times do we look at our phone? Like pretty much like once or zero. I don't even remember. I don't like, think I, I looked at mine. Yeah. I think yeah. I, mine popped off a couple times, and but I didn't even like look, look to see who it was. It was just like, I'm, and here's another thing, looking at somebody in the eye. Like when I talk to you and I think this is part of like how we like good communication, uh -huh. this, and I, I mean this phone or this, this, uh, uh, iPad or whatever, these kinds of things have taught us to, to shorten our attention span, I think. Right. Yeah, definitely. Right. So, so when I'm having a conversation with somebody, it's different than when you and I are talking because when I was sitting next to you at the bar and we're, we're talking, even though we're sitting shoulder to shoulder, we're turned towards each other and I'm talking and you know, I can be long winded. So I'm talking to you and you're, you're actually looking at me in the eye the whole time. I'm like, this is crazy. Like how, 
how how many times do I get to have this conversation with somebody where they're actually paying attention to what I say, uh-huh. and vice versa, right? I mean, I hope yeah. I do it to you. Yeah. Am I paying attention? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> no, uh, but those those types of that type of communication we are losing. Yeah. You know, and that's why that's why I can genuinely say to another man, you know, another strapping man like yourself that I love you. <laughs> you know seriously yeah we and we mean it you know that's that's where it comes from i don't think it could come from us not i don't think it could come from us having short attention spans we we have to pay attention right when you say something and when you were talking about some of the things you were talking about tonight Uh i'm showing genuine concern and and vice versa and that's Uh where it comes from so yeah, uh, I man, more than anything, I appreciate that. And there's only a handful of people in my life that I can do that with, and you're one of them, and it's uh, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, likewise, man. My mom said that on your deathbed, you're gonna have less than a handful. You can count them on your less than what you can count on your fingers of people who will be at your deathbed. My mom said that. Uh-huh. I don't know how true that is, <laughs> but it certainly seems like it's coming true, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> After all these years, there's not many oh. left, right? Yeah. That are real, you know, yeah. that'll walk the ed- to the edge of the earth for you. Yeah. So, yeah. and you're real, man. So, so you I appreciate too, buddy. it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love you, man. I love you too, dude. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for doing this. And of course, I, anytime. Yeah. Thank you. And I hope that, you know, your words <laughs> will help other people, you know, whether it's your, your story coming from, uh, no photography background to being you are on the corner in Hilo like this this corner here you're at the at, I mean I don't even I don't even want to ask you how much you pay for this for this this <laughs> section of real estate here but you are you have a primo spot downtown Hilo uh-huh. looking at the ocean filled with amazing photography and if you could have Ask yourself when you were at that firm if you'd ever be here at this, have your own gallery filled with all these amazing shots and all the uh, people that you've met and all the guides, that, all the, the people that you've taken out and just your experiences. Do you even think that you, do you think this is real or is this a dream, <laughs> right? You didn't go to school for this. Yeah. Uh, How amazing is that? You have an amazing story. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah it, it, it truly is a blessing. To be doing what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. Yeah. Had no clue this was going to happen. Yeah. It all happened organically. Yeah. Yeah. And it couldn't have happened to a better person. Thanks, man. Yeah. There's too much love going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think it's a good place to... to, uh, to pause it for now. Hopefully, we get to do another one of these yeah, and let's uh, do another episode soon. Man. Yeah, yeah. Love you, buddy. Love you Love too, you, man. man. Yeah. Okay. Until next time. Yeah. Okay. We will.